Well, good morning, good morning. Let me tell you something you already know, and that is you have a great group of teenagers at this church. And it's been my privilege since Thursday to speak to them, hang out with them, laugh with them. I have had a phenomenal time. Uh, I live outside of uh, Chicago, and so it is great to be here in the beautiful Memphis area. And we were talking about relationships that matter. Relationship to yourself, relationship to others, relationship to God. And then we talked about your highest calling. Your highest calling is all about loving God and loving others. And so this morning, I want to continue to challenge us in our walk with Jesus. But right before I do that, I want you to turn to the person on your right. You who are sitting next to the wall, do the best you can. Turn to the person on your right and say to them, I am glad that you are here this morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. Turn to the person on your left. Say to them, thanks for sitting next to me. Thanks. They could have sat next to anybody. They're sitting next to you. Now, gently, do this gently. Pat the person in front of you on the back. Say to them, this morning your hair is perfect. (laughs) Allow me to pause right now and apologize to those who have no hair. I'm sorry. I apologize to you. Turn around to the person behind you. Turn around to the person behind you. Say to them, you look just like my mom. You look just like my mom. Good old mom. You look just like mom. We are called to live for Jesus. We are Christ followers. We are image bearers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what do we need to do? What is God calling us to do? Well, let me take you to a very practical verse in the Word, and let me share with you God's will for your life starting right now. It's found in the book of Micah. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good... And what does the Lord require of you? Let me pause right there and make two observations. Number one, this is not optional. God is not saying, hey, it might be nice if you did this if if it met your expectations. Hey, if it's easy, go ahead and do it. Hey, if it feels good, okay. This is not optional. God is saying, this is what I require of you. This is my will for your life right now, 2017. And the second observation, God says, it is good. Now, how sweet is that? God is saying, look, I don't just require this of you. I want you to know this is going to be good for you. This is going to be a bonus for you. 
This is going to develop you as men, develop you as women. You're going to feel better about yourself on the inside. You're going to make an impact. I'm going to work in and through you. It's a good thing. Yes, I require it, but it's good for you. And what is it? Three things. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Number one this morning, I'm going to call you to act justly. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer this. Either turn to the person on your left or turn to the person on your right, whoever you think has the higher IQ. (laughs) Some people are feeling very left out right now, very left out. By the way, Valentine's Day is quickly approaching. Married men... Turn to your wife. Turn to your wife. All right, I want you to answer this question and struggle with it a little bit. Struggle with it a little bit. What is the difference between a moral person and a person of character? What's the difference between a moral person and a person of character? Tell the person next to you, go. Okay, now look back up here. I think you could say this in a lot of different ways. Here's how I say it. A moral person chooses not to do what's wrong. A person of character does what's right. Now, if that sounds the same to you, I want you to know it is radically different. A moral person tends to be a passive individual. And a moral person has a list of things they don't do. I don't smoke. I don't chew. I don't go with girls who do. So you've got this. You've got this list of things that you don't do. And you have a tendency to compare your list with other people's lists. And if the other person's list does not match your list... You have a tendency to be judgmental. You have a tendency to be negative. You begin to look down on that person. And I'm sad to say to you this morning that churches are filled with moral people. A person of character is active in their faith. A person of character lives out the person of Jesus Christ. A person of character is all about being a lover in the purest sense of the word. A person of character is all about bringing the light, the salt of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs to know him. And I'm going to ask you, starting now, to act justly. Acting justly means you are men and women of character who do the right thing in God's sight. You're all about being God-pleasers. I did not become a Christian until I was a senior in high school. I grew up in a cult 
And we were kind of backslidden. That's probably about as low as you can get, you know, backslidden in a cult. And I heard the gospel for the first time, and I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Now, the guy who led me to Jesus Christ said, Greg, why don't you come with me to Bethel University? Now, I'd never heard of Bethel University. It's a Christian university. He said to me, why don't you come with me, and that way you can learn some Bible, because I didn't know anything about the Bible. And uh, this is in Northern California. I'm born in San Francisco, raised in Walnut Creek, California. And I said, well, where's Bethel University? And he said to me, well, it's located in beautiful, tropical St. Paul, Minnesota. So I thought, wow, tropical sounds pretty good. So I applied for Bethel. Now, honestly, in applying for Bethel, it was a joke. Because my grades, and this is no exaggeration, my grades through high school were all C's and D's. D is in dog. C's and D's. There's no way I qualified for Bethel University. But, miracle, I scored in the top 10% of the nation in the SAT, ACT tests, and I got some incredible recommendations from people. So Bethel University said to me, all right, let's see how you do your senior year. Let's see what kind of grades you get, and then we'll decide whether we'll let you into Bethel. So it's the end of my senior year, and I'm on the bubble, okay? I'm trying, I'm studying, but I'm just not a good student, so I'm on the bubble. And... uh, At our school, you may have this at your school, we had what was called Senior Cut Day. Now, that may sound edgy. It really wasn't that edgy. Your class president goes in, meets with the principal, they agree on a day, and the entire senior class cuts school. And we all go to the beach for one last bonfire, big party, be together as the senior class. So our class president goes in and says, we would like this Friday or Monday so we can have a long weekend. And the principal goes, wow, I totally get that. I totally understand that, but I can't give that to you. I can give you this Tuesday or Wednesday. Our president goes, we don't want a Tuesday or Wednesday. We want a Friday or a Monday. And the principal goes, I totally understand it, but we got this stuff going on. I can't give it to you. He said, our class president said, well, we're going to take this Friday. And the principal said, you don't have permission to take Friday. And our class president said, too bad, we're walking. Wow. Now I have to decide, am I going to go to school or am I going to go to the beach? Now that seems like no brainer, doesn't it? Just go to the beach. Just go to the beach. It's all your friends, senior class, last big party. Just go to the beach. But at the time, I have a godly man named Roy Leedstrand. I didn't realize how blessed I was back then. But I had a godly man discipling me as this young man. And he was teaching me what it means to be a man of character. And I say to Roy Leedstrand, are you saying to me that I should go to school? Roy Leedstrand says, I'm not telling you anything. He said, you pray and you ask Jesus what he wants you to do. (laughs) 
So I prayed, and you know what happened. I prayed, and Jesus said, go to school. So I show up Friday for school. Five seniors showed up. Five. Three girls, a really smart guy, and me. I walk into my first period class and I sit down. And I got to tell you, I'm not real happy because all my friends are at the beach and I'm stuck at school. So I sit down in my first class. And the teacher says, clear your desk. I'm like, yeah, I'll clear my desk. She goes, take out a piece of paper. I'm like, yeah, here's a piece of paper. She goes, put your name in the upper right-hand corner. I go, yeah, there's my name. She goes... We're going to have a test. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Oh, thanks a lot, God. A test. I can't believe it. I didn't know we were going to have a test. I didn't have time to study. Not that I would have, but I didn't have time. I didn't have time. Wow, I can't believe it. I'm so stupid. She says, this test will be worth 100 points. I'm like, oh, well, just bury me now. She says, pass your papers in. Wow, this is so stupid. I can't believe it. Wow. Huh? She goes, pass your papers in. I'm like... I hope I spelled my name correctly. (laughs) She gathers the papers together. She looks through them really slowly. And she says, you will be happy to know that you all got 100% on this test. And there will be no makeup for this test. Every class I went into... The teacher said, clear your desk, take out a piece of paper, put your name on the paper. We're going to have a test. It's worth 100 points. Pass your papers in. You got 100%. There will be no makeup. Do you know what this did for my GPS? It made it look. Oh, GPA. It's probably... Probably helped my GPS, too. But anyway, do you know what this did for my GPA? It made it look like perhaps I had a brain. And do you know what Bethel said? Bethel said, come. And do you know what I've learned? I've learned just act justly. Just be a man, a woman of character. Do what's right in God's sight. When you act justly, does everything always work out? No. Will you ever have to suffer? Sure. But you will never regret doing the right thing. My son Garrett comes home from when he was in high school. And he says to me, Dad, there were a bunch of kids making fun of another kid. But I want you to know, Dad, I didn't make fun of him. And I said, wow, Garrett. I said, that is so good. Garrett, I am so proud of you. 
Garrett, you are a very moral young man. But Garrett, were you a man of character? Garrett, did you step into the midst of these kids and did you say, stop making fun of this kid? See, I'm here to tell you acting justly is not going to win you a popularity contest. Acting justly doesn't mean everybody is going to love you. Acting justly, though, is all about you representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Act justly and number two, love mercy. Do you love mercy? I'm going to go out on the limb and say the answer to that question is no. No, 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 no. We do not love mercy. You know what we love? We love justice. We want justice. I mean, if we were going to be gut level honest, the truth is most of us want justice for others but mercy for ourselves. Mercy is not treating people the way they deserve. Now, I want to make this clear because people misunderstand me. They get upset at me. I am not saying there are not consequences. I'm not saying you are not responsible. I'm not saying you are not disciplined. I'm not saying at times you don't go to jail. I'm not saying there's not justice. But I'm saying we have a tendency as the body of Christ to lean more toward justice than we do toward mercy. And God says to us, love mercy. Love mercy. What is it that drew you to Jesus? Was it his justice? No. It was his mercy. His forgiveness, his understanding. There is only one thing you can take to heaven with you. Just one. And that's the people around you. That is it. And what is it that will draw those people to Jesus? Is it going to be justice? Or is it going to be mercy? And the answer is, it's going to be mercy. And notice God doesn't just say, tolerate mercy. Practice it on occasion. He says, love mercy. Love treating people in ways they never expected. Love lavishing on them kindness and understanding and compassion and care. Let me read you a pretty radical verse. It's from the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says this. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. See, I want to remind you, you never ever outgive God. And the more you bless others, God blesses you. And the more you show mercy to others, the more he shows mercy to you. I'm on the road traveling and speaking about 
uh, 12 to 15 days per month. So I have kind of the same schedule as an airline pilot. But that means I'm home and I'm off 15 to 18 days a month. So that's pretty nice. And usually I'm gone every weekend, but occasionally I'm home on a weekend. So one weekend I'm home and my wife comes to me and she says to me, Honey, let's go shopping at Ikea. Now, I had never heard of Ikea at this point. And I assumed that Ikea was a small little Swedish gift shop. And we would be in and out of there in about 20 minutes, okay? So I said, sure, we can go shopping at Ikea. So we drive into Schaumburg, Illinois. You're smarter than I am because this is this ginormous four stories. It's got a restaurant. It ought to have a hotel connected with it. Swedish store, everything for the home. So as we're walking in, my wife turns to me, famous last words, we don't have to buy anything. Four hours later, three shopping carts, we exit Ikea. One of the things we bought was a shoe tree. Because we got four little kids, umpteen pairs of shoes. Let's get the shoes into the shoe tree so they're not scattered all over the entryway. A couple of weeks go by, and I come home from speaking. Get out of the car. I open the door to the house. I step into the house, into the entryway, and there's shoes everywhere. Everywhere. Why did I spend the longest week of my life, those four hours in Ikea, if we're not going to put the shoes in the shoe tree? So I put my bags down, I shut the door, and I start up the stairs. My beautiful wife is preparing dinner, and she turns, and she sees me coming, and she opens her arms, and she goes, Oh, hi, honey. Welcome home. To which I say, "Uh Why can't we keep the shoes in the shoe tree? I walk into the entryway. I about twist my ankle. I can break my neck. I don't understand why we can't keep the shoes in the shoe tree. To which my wife could have responded, well, what's wrong with you, chubby? Can you no longer bend at the waist? Are these my children or are these our children? Oh, great family speaker. Oh, great godly man. While you're traveling around the world speaking to people, I'm stuck at home with four little children. Maybe every once in a while, you want to come off your throne and help us. But she doesn't. My beautiful wife looks at me and she says to me, Honey, I am so sorry. I'll go pick up those shoes right now. And my wife starts down the stairs. And the Holy Spirit just zings me. 
And as she's heading down the stairs, I reach out and I grab her by the arm and I say, wait, 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 wait. I go, honey, honey, I am sorry. I'm sorry. I was so wrong. And my godly wife looks at me and says, I know. (laughs) Do you know what she did? She responded to an insult with a blessing. And do you know what that does when you respond to an insult with a blessing? It shatters the person's expectations. It opens them to self-examination. And it releases the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. Those are all good things. Good things. Here's what I want you to do starting right now. Starting right now, I want you to treat other people the way you want Jesus to treat you. Do you want Jesus to be merciful to you? Then be merciful to them. Do you want Jesus to forgive you? Then forgive them. Do you want Jesus to understand you? Then understand them. I want you to love mercy. I want you to love treating the waiter or waitress with kindness. I want you to enjoy speaking life into somebody who's irritated at the store. I want you to show mercy to the person who cuts you off in the car. Well, let's not get ridiculous. But the whole idea is, the whole idea is, you're going to open their hearts and their minds to the presence of the living God as you love mercy and respond to insult with kindness. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, and number three, walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. Humbly because all the gifts, talents, abilities you have come from God. You have nothing to brag about. If you want to boast about anything, boast about Jesus and the cross and the price he paid for you. And it's got to be your God. It's got to be your God. It cannot be the God of your mother, the God of your father, the God of your spouse, of your parents, of your pastor. It's got to be your God. You've got to own your faith. And if you don't own your faith, you end up compromising. You end up giving up and giving in to sin because it's not your God. You're not really living for him. Turn to the person next to you and answer this question. Why do you exist? Ready? Go. Answer that. (laughs) Okay, look up here. The answer is, you exist to glorify God. You do not exist to get a job. Getting a job's good. You don't exist to get an education. Getting an education is good. You don't exist to get married. That's fine. You don't exist to make money. That's cool. Those are all fine things, but that's not why you exist. The very reason you draw breath is you exist to glorify God. Now, 
answer this question. What does it mean to glorify God? If I said to you, exit those doors right there and go glorify God, what does that even mean? Tell the person next to you, go. Okay, look back up here. I think there are a lot of ways you could say this. Here's how I put it so that teenagers can get a handle on it. What does it mean to glorify God? It means this. Make God look good. Make God look good. By how you speak, make God look good. By how you act, make God look good. By how you treat your wife, make God look good. By how you respond to your husband, make God look good. By our lives, we can make God look very good, or by our lives, we can make him look very bad. Starting now, make him look good. And here's the great news. Your yesterdays do not determine your tomorrows. You can be different starting now because Jesus will give you the power to be different. My brothers and sisters, I want you to go from here to live for Jesus. And how do you do that? Act justly. Be men and women of character and do what's right in God's sight. Love mercy. Love mercy. Respond to an insult with a blessing and walk humbly with your God. Own your faith and make him look good. When you're dismissed, I'm just going to be out by my table, standing there, would love to meet you, would love to say hi to you. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your presence here this weekend. And thank you for what you did in the lives of students. And I pray your richest blessing upon these teenagers. And I pray that they would be heroes of the faith, men and women in whom your spirit works in and through in awesome ways. And then, God, thank you for the men and women here this morning. And, Lord, will you please speak to them about the next step they need to take, whether that be acting justly or loving mercy or just walking humbly with you. And then, God, I pray that you would raise them up for such a time as this that you might work in and through them beyond anything they could ask or even imagine. For I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.